You may find this hard to believe, but 60 songs that explain the 90s, America's favorite poorly named music podcast is back with 30 more songs than 120 songs total. I am your host, Rob Harvilla, here to bring you more shrewd musical analysis, poignant nostalgic reveries, crude personal anecdotes, and rad special guests all with even less restraint than usual. Join us once more on 60 Saws that Explain the 90s every Wednesday on Spotify. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type, to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com backslash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com backslash RG. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida. We'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Folks, basketball is so very good and a night's on nights like these, uh, it can be a, a two-sided coin of elation and heartache. And tonight, uh, the Lakers are elated to close out the Warriors. And uh, to uh, join me to discuss it, joining me to discuss it is Tyler Parker, TP, actor, extraordinaire, author, <laughs> general muser, um, huge guy, great smile, firm handshake. Huge guy. <laughs> Just accept my compliments, Tyler. You're always no, trying to. No, that's my favorite one so far of all of the weeks we've been doing this. I think "huge guy" is your best work. I, well, you know, just the fact that you're huge is a nice cherry on top. Um, <laughs> this would not be a, a cherry on top of the Warriors dynasty. I wouldn't say uh, this is. A, we're going to get into all of that, but just quickly, um, Tyler, what's your thirty-five thousand feet takeaway from this game? As as the Lakers have uh, sealed the deal and they move on now to the Western Conference Finals to face the Denver Nuggets, what do you think? It just sort of feels like a culmination of the Laker guard play offensively and Anthony Davis. Defensively, the, I mean the 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 marriage of those two things together, um, the guards just constantly attacking Pool and Steph and Clay, um, and the Warriors' inability to keep them out of the paint, and then on the other end, just Davis terrifying everyone. He's sort of becoming you know, fully realized again uh, this postseason and just being 
everywhere, all over the place. Yeah, points in the paint. It seemed, I mean, it was a narrow margin for points in the paint. They uh, LA won at forty six to forty four, and even second chance points, the Warriors, uh, the Warriors outdid them. But it seemed like every time. Um, you're you're right. I think about like the guards. You specifically brought up a point that I thought was a good one, uh, which was the fact that like there were no breaks as opposed to the Kings. The Lakers are very dynamic. They they've become dynamic. They've worked on their issues in something in in a way that the Warriors failed to over the course of this year. Something that we'll talk about here in a minute. But in this game, they got you know a variety of contributions from a variety of players. They got pick and roll reps from D'Lo Russell, who is just kind of you get your best D'Lo Russell whenever he is just kind kind of house money icing on the top, you know? Totally. Like whenever he's floating around and there's no pressure on him. And whenever you have those guys, like, you know, you you have the certainty of the LeBron James rim pressure, which we saw him just kind of awake from his possum sleep tonight as <laughs> we as we knew he was going to. It kind of it kind of reminds me of uh there's an episode of The Simpsons where like uh the mafia in the Springfield mafia takes on the the Japanese uh, the it's like the the fist of Japan I forget what it is right. but you know the episode I'm talking about and Homer's like he keeps watching the one guy in the white suit and he was like he's gonna do something awesome I know he is and then like they <laughs> yeah. cut away and he like is doing backflips through the yard and just kicking everybody's ass like I kind of feel like uh, I, I kind of feel like that's what LeBron did tonight where we were just like. I feel like he's going to do something awesome. He still has it in him. And you talk about picking your spots. I mean, LeBron yeah. did that tonight. But talking about the ball handlers, it is it is a nice just layer of nuance on the top. That's what I always say. The the implied offense of LeBron with the nuance on top. And you got you got reps from from D'Lo. You got reps from Austin Reeves, from Lonnie Walker. Lonnie Walker continued his just. And these are just extra little pain points that keep. They're demoralizing, I would say, when they just when they put you in a spin cycle of the and the guys just keep coming. Um, and you know, uh, Schroeder got thrown out of this game kind of bizarrely. I felt like both of his texts, yeah, were weird. Then what was your read on that? I mean, I don't, I yeah. mean, they both the, 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 the second one in particular, Davis gets a dunk and then immediately steals the inbound. Goes up for a shot, gets fouled by Draymond. Schroeder and Draymond been John back and forth, you know, a majority of the series. And, you know, Draymond's sort of response to Schroeder walking up to him is to just stick the ball right just, in his face. And sure, it's hard to, t- it, 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 there hasn't been a good angle to be able, it didn't look like. It, it it would be hard to move your mouth, I think, if a ball if a, if a, <laughs> if a basketball was uh, you know uh, pressed against your lips. I think it'd be difficult. Yeah, so it's hard it, to know what Schroeder said because yeah, he had a ball like in his mouth. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it's a good it, you know in Draymond's defense, it is a good way to get someone to stop talking. Draymond's ability to treat everyone around him and the refs like dog shit incessantly and just, you know, never get the tease that he deserves. Oh my god. Even though god. I know he did get I know he got a double T in that situation, but it, it you know, it um yeah, it's just it's just ridiculous. I mean, after like it, you talk about Lonnie Walker, you talk about the guards a little bit more. After that, you know, there was a there was a there was, you know, a brief period of time where, you know, Schroeder had had guarded uh Curry well all game and you know I think there was a period of time after that well okay like we'll let's you know let's see if Steph gets going here if if he can kind of uh shake free a little bit and catch a rhythm 
And instead, Walker basically picks up where he left off, comes in and just it's bombs away. And 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 I mean, it already felt like the Lakers night. But whenever he came in, it was just sort of like, oh, OK, this is the, 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 the Warriors don't have the horses on the perimeter to be able to handle what the Lakers guards were doing. I mean, Reeves was fantastic all game. Um, timely threes and, you know, solid playmaking. Uh, you know, he was flailing around like he likes to do. Um, and you'd like to see him cut some of that stuff out, but he was fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, I was just, I was, I was just super impressed with the Laker guard play, to be honest with you. I mean, Le- LeBron feels like the story ultimately, um, to be, you know, in his 20th year and playing 43 plus minutes and going 39 and nine, um, you know, but, but yeah, I mean, just impressed with the Lakers across the board for sure. I mean, LeBron set the tone early. I think that like I'm going to the basket in this game, and it's not something that he can do as consistently. You know, he just be, he used to in the past, as we know, he came into the league as sort of a wiry, flying around, sort of a big wing type, not quite. But once he committed himself, he had that era, I guess, that started in like 13, all the way to kind of up to 20, where he just was like a, just a relentless punisher around the basket, and he kind of has sure. to pick his spots a little bit more now. But um, in this game, yeah, you could just see that they didn't really have an answer for him, specifically because um, Wiggins with that rib cartilage in, uh, injury, he just, you could even see with the way he was running, he kind of seemed like he was like concaving his chest a little bit, maybe to protect himself. But LeBron early on was just kind of like, hey, man, you know, like um, you shouldn't be, you know, which this is the relentlessness of the playoffs. Like there, there's not like a, a slap on the back. Hey, buddy, just out of cur- courtesy, I'm gonna leave this st- this sore alone. LeBron immediately in the first quarter, I think his his high in the playoffs for post ups was like nine. I'm pretty sure, and in the first quarter, he had four post ups, um, which were all just kind of like aimed at Wiggins to irritate him, and you could tell it was um, it was it was a problem. Immediately for Golden State, you could tell that this was going to be an issue that they were going to they were going to prod at throughout this game if he stayed in. It 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 absolutely felt like it wound up feeling almost you know like an indictment of the Warriors roster construction in the first place that they didn't have someone to stick on LeBron right there. I mean Draymond's in foul trouble all night. You know you you, you have different points where you've got Moody trying to stay with him. There was you know a time in the third quarter where. Braun just saw Moody and lit up and gave him a ride to the rim. And it, you know, they, 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 they don't trust Kaminga. You know, they're, they're not, no, like, they do it, not. It, Three it, minutes it, in this game. <laughs> it's, 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 it, you know, it's just they, they didn't, they didn't have the horses. You know what I mean? It, like it, it, it wasn't, um, the, you sort of kept expecting the math to wind up working out for the Warriors like it always has throughout this, you know, dynastic run, right? It's just like three is more than two. And, you know, Curry is impossible. You know, and at some point, you know, he's going to get hot and somebody else will. And, you know, a hard rain will fall and everything will go back to the way it was. And they just didn't have it tonight. I mean, Curry was bad and, you know, he's got 32, but on 28 shots, four for 14 from three, Clay's even worse. I mean, this is, you know, this was an all-time bad Clay game. He just looked out of it on both ends. Let's get to that. Let's get to that. I mean, there there, there definitely was some, uh, some bed shitting that went on in this game. 
Um, yeah, the comment on like the the Steph thing. I mean, I kind of I kind of feel like this is just the result of them spinning too many plates for too long. And I think we can, if we look back at the Sacramento series, it could be easy to overlook the fact that um, they were riding Steph pretty hard, like you know, and they got some Herculean out of body experiences from or from him, uh, performances from him. Or the, although like we, it's hard to underestimate Steph at this point, like what he's capable of. Uh, so to say that to say that something is extraordinary with him is kind of difficult. At some point, but uh, yeah, like you said, eleven for twenty-eight. But it's like Steph just had no ability to. I always use that word orbit. He just had no. He had nothing to play off of because of uh, because of uh, the lack of contributions that they got. Now you talked about Clay. This is one of the harder questions that kind of ripples out when you zoom out and you look at their situation going forward. But Clay was rough in this game in thirty-seven minutes. You know, he only he only managed to get eight points. He got five assists, but. He was three for 19 from the field, two for 12 from three for 16.7%. Um, you know, in the first half, I felt like he was even getting looks, you know? Like, we've seen him press a little hard, and and it's it's hard to come back and be the two-way player that, that, he, that he was, uh, that we would like to see him become again, you know, because, you know, he tore his ACL, and then he tore his Achilles, those are pretty debilitating if you're a lateral guy who is like guarding the ball and taking tough assignments and moving off the ball and things like that. But um, this also kind of adds to, you know, we, we've seen it a couple times now. In the, in the closeout game against uh, Sacramento, Clay was two for 10, only managed to get uh, only managed to get 16 points, you know, two turnovers. And we were talking with our, our guy Ben Cruz, a Warriors fan, uh, <laughs> about like the finals last year. The fact that the Warriors won that game kind of overlooked, and, and the brilliance that they got from Steph, um, and, and even got some contributions from Wiggins and Poole, kind of overshadows the fact that Clay was rough in that game too. He was five for twenty, uh, you know, two for eight from the field, turned the ball over a lot. I guess you kind of, and then and then you start to look at like Poole. You know, there there's a lot of kind of troublesome. You know, I was comparing it with the Lakers. There's just a lot of troublesome. We put our eggs in this basket. And the bet has just gone wrong for the Warriors. You look, it just adds up like Kuminga, Poole, you know, Wiggins is hurt and he's played better, but it just kind of feels like the, the Warriors have kind of put their bet to keep this window open on something that has let them down. And it's hard to feel optimistic coming away from this game if you if you're the if you're looking at the Warriors big picture. Yeah, I mean, it just from the jump, it was odd because it wasn't like they were getting bad shots. You know, they were good shots and it was just, it was stuff that generally has fallen for them, you know, and, and it just didn't. And, and it, it, uh, they, when they don't, when they can't surround that Steph and Draymond pick and roll with shooting and playmaking and guys who you can trust their decision making. And when you need when 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 a game is getting out of hand and you need to get a good shot you know in the past they've had guys like Sean Livingston Igadala these dudes who are going to keep you on schedule they're going to the trains are going to run on time right and they're they 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 know where the ball is supposed to go and if uh they need to make a play they can and also defensively switchable too, which is uh, yes, an issue. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and I, I'm more just, I'm more just talking about offensively here. And you know, whenever the 
the person, you know, that they start to rely on that's sort of coming off the bench to kind of give them their firepower and give them another look is kind of giving them just a, a more chaotic Steph that's, you know, you know, middle-class Steph like Poole is. And, you know, DiVincenzo was great tonight, but he's not going to be somebody who's going to go, you know, I don't think he's somebody who's going to go win you a playoff game yet. Right. Like, and so it, um, they just, yeah, I, 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 I feel like I'm just repeating myself. It felt like they kept expecting things to work out and it's just, it's just not 2016 anymore. Yeah, and you're talking about Steph, and we're talking about it's it's a it's nice. They they ideally don't want to play this way. They don't want to play with him with the ball just constantly facing the basket and pick and roll over and over again. A because of Anthony Davis, which we will talk about here in a minute, but also like uh, just because it's the most infuriating part about Steph's game is when he doesn't have the ball. You know, whenever he's away from it, that's where his genius is totally. uh, because he's so clever about getting open and changing his speeds. And in this game, you know, his his on ball in ball screens, uh, this was his season high, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 48 total just screen actions he was involved in in this one. So 62.33 per 100. So yeah, heavy, heavy. And that's kind of a... That's a last resort for them. That's the situation that they're in. But I, th- I want to flip it here. You know, we're trying to do this thing of like analyzing uh, where Golden State goes from here, but also giving the Lakers a lot of credit. Now, you talk about like putting your bet on things that didn't work. The Lakers are the polar opposite of that. And I've talked a little bit in the past about like how I, I personally feel like the Warriors um, – have kind of kind of abandoned their roster construction philosophy. You were talking about like Iguodala and Livingston, both kind of guys who were former point guards, had ball in their hands, like big physical switchable guys. I guess they just didn't have the ability to go get those dudes, but just kind of a high quality threshold of decision makers. But if you look at the Lakers, what they've done in the past, you know, in the past few months, even since the trade deadline, you know, they've bolstered their team with a lot more kind of extra ball handlers and extra guys who can get going. But all of this revolves around Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, when healthy, um, I pointed this out to you, defending ball screens in this game, Anthony Davis uh, only allowed .538 points per possession. I know that's not a mainstream stat that you can just rattle off anywhere at the the grocery store and everybody knows what you're talking about, (laughs) but that's insanely low just for perspective. Uh, and, And also, and I was, and we've talked about this a little bit in the past too, but like you also just can't totally quantify Anthony Davis's impact on the game. You know, we t- I texted you and I was like, they keep going to this one five pick and roll with Looney. They keep trying to bring Davis away from the basket, but it seemed like even that didn't take him out of the play. It just he looms so large in this game, and, and really, um, I don't know. That seemed like a pretty. If that's your last resort, it still wasn't a great option at the end of the day. It didn't feel like he was spooking everybody. I mean, he had, he, you know, he had Steph is, is one of the best finishers in the league down there. And he had him, you know, shooting scared. When Davis looks like this, it changes everything for them. LeBron doesn't have to exert as much energy. You know, their guards can be physical and aggressive and press up on people. And yeah, I mean, he's just a condor down there. I mean, you've watched you've watched a ton of of Davis. Is he when he's like this? Is 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 he just? Do you think he's just the best defender in the league? Uh, I've said that this has been a hard conversation for the past few years, just because whenever he's hurt, and you know, whenever we're even doing our rankings, when you start to talk about Davis and he's just piling up these DNPs and these times when he's out, it's kind of like. 
uh, I kind of think Davis is still really good. You know, we, we, the fatigue in the basketball public, you can just feel it when people are just like, people get to the point where they don't want to hear it. And then you get into a playoff series like this. And I was asking you, can you think during the Warriors dynasty, uh, to answer your question, yes, I do think he's the best defensive player in the world when he's healthy. That's not really a wild stance by me on a night like this. You know, no, a few months sure. ago when he's not playing ever, it's like, yeah, it's like, okay, shut up. We get it. Like, uh, but he's, if he doesn't play, what good is he? But it's like t- on a night like this and when he's this dominant. And I was going to ask you, do you, can you, other than that last time they played AD in a playoff series, can you remember the Warriors dynasty coming up against a dynamic rim protector like this? I don't think they've played one to this level that I can think of. Yeah, I don't think so. I, it, there's nobody that comes to mind aside from Davis, like, like we were talking about, aside from Davis in 2018 and that Pelicans team, and he, I mean, 2015, had, yeah, too. Also, 20, yeah. was 20, yeah, sorry, 2015. The, he, I mean, he had an unbelievable, I mean, put up unbelievable <laughs> numbers that year, and only oh, they only got to the playoffs that year because he hit like a, I think it was they, like uh, a weird double pump sort of like that against deep three against that he the hit. Thunder, yeah, against the yeah. Thunder that year to to get into the playoffs, but yeah, it it. it uh, I think that that's the only time, right? I mean, who, who, it, 2016 Cavs, no. Ibaka, maybe. I mean, healthy Ibaka yeah, was healthy bothersome, Ibaka, but not maybe. like this. You know, like, you know, Adams was athletic in 2016, but nothing compared to the, you know, this. <laughs> He's a three level rim protector. He can meet you at the level. He can hang back and still bother. And he can make crazy out of area plays. And like when he's purely playing center like this, I mean, yeah, I think that's that is why we project like what Mobley could be. We're always like Kevin Garnett, Kevin Garnett, Kevin Garnett. It's like the closest thing to prime Kevin Garnett defensively that we have seen since then is Anthony Davis. And I, I think that unequivocally is the case. Davis's body control in the air, like whenever he, when he starts, you know, going and getting these contested rebounds where, you, you know, you see this collection of hands in the vicinity of the net and then he just claws in there. It, it's, it, it, uh, yeah, it's just a different level of activity from him than you see from other bigs. I think just because of like, you just forget how fluid he is. I think because he's so dinged up a lot of the time and because there's a lot of falling down and, you know, grabbing his face and stuff like that, the 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 first I, I think it's pretty natural that the first thing that people would think about would be, you know, sort of that, that he's a little yeah. bit fragile, right? But it does mask he's really an impossibility down there. I mean, it's going to be so much fun to, uh, I, I don't even know if we've talked about enough about the, the Warriors losing. Maybe if we've spent too much time on Davis, but it's just going to be so much fun watching him and Jokic. I mean, that's just going to be unbelievable. Just two Jaegers going at it. Like I, I it, uh, it's, it, it's going to be something. Yes, it is. And yeah, uh, flipping it, flipping it back. So let's, let's do, I mean, the obvious big takeaway here is that like, you know, since 20, I mean, they had a run in 2014 that was pretty solid, but then, you know, they turn around, Steve Kerr comes in, they win a title in their first year. They were totally expecting to kind of take it slow and like, we'll get comfortable with Kerr in this in 2014-15, and they just go and win the title in the first year. And ever since then, you know, um, it seems like we've been on a track where you know, Steph goes down and I guess at the end of the 2019 finals, that kind of had a finite feel to it, but there was sort of that like, there was that thing in the air of like, okay, well maybe, maybe, maybe Clay gets healthy. 
Maybe they retool a little bit. And we had that era where they tried to connect the eras and they they have those high draft picks and they come and they take Moody and they take James Wiseman and then they take uh, Kuminga uh, and they traded for D'Angelo Russell. There were there were a lot of sort of questionable things that went on during that yeah, time. Yeah, we got to talk about, yeah, we didn't talk about D'Lo Revenge game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was thinking about yeah, I was thinking about that clip from uh, Royal Tenenbaums where uh, Royal like points down, I know you asshole. That's kind of what I wondered <laughs> if they were like yelling at D'Lo at some point. Um, but that ending in 2019 kind of felt like, well, maybe it's not over. How do you think this time is different? I mean, <laughs> compare and contrast, uh, Tyler. That's a hard question. I mean, part of it is that Draymond's not what he was. Part of it is that. I mean, in 2019, had there been multiple clay injuries or just the one? He tore his ACL in that finals. And I think, to my knowledge, that was his first like major, major injury to, that, that I was aware of. And then, you know, obviously in, during the rehab, you know, during that fall of 2020, I believe it was like a couple of days after the draft. He, yeah, he, he tore his Achilles. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I think the story after 2019 was more like, oh, these guys lost because Durant got hurt the finality of it was maybe people forgetting how good Steph was and kind of letting Durant's injury take the forefront. This time around, there's not any real injuries to take the attention from just the result. That was, I mean, you know, there are the obvious things like that was in the finals and this is in, you know, the second round, it, 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 uh, Steph is still what he was. Arguably better than ever. I mean, he's, he's just, just as good. Yeah. And so it's hard to, to, for it to feel like there's any sort of, you know, bow on the run exactly. If only because he is one of those guys that you feel like, okay, if we, you know, surround him with capable people, we got a shot. But I think that every, one else around him just lacking the juice and really not meeting the moment in in a lot of these games that that it was you know clay has the one clay goes for 30 um you know once this series i think right but like other than that generally somebody goes and gets a big number it's almost always curry they just they they feel they feel like they just lack the juice outside of him to to really scare a lot of teams now and i mean i it, it they got a lot of money committed to these four dudes right and so it's and i i don't know i don't know what you can get for draymond i don't know what you can get for pool i i it, it's it's probably not what you need you you mentioned clay going off i mean yeah and uh i guess it was game two he had 30 points when they when they won that game and i mean you know everybody keeps saying make miss league and all that it's like and and you sort of have set the table here for going forward. So if if you're looking at the the decisions to be made, I think that's that's the most daunting part about this. Looking to the horizon is just, um, and and it raises a lot of questions about like, okay, how kind of inextricable are is the the sort of like synergy between these three guys. And the success, can you separate a Steph and a Draymond? I always call them the binary star where it's like the chemistry, it can't be underrated, but like the chemistry between, you know, Draymond is sort of a playmaking fulcrum and Steph is this off-ball savant genius. Um, 
it would not, you know, I've seen people talk about a trade potentially with like Atlanta. So then you import some of the the defensive personality that Atlanta sorely needs and you send a John Collins to to Golden State. How how perilous do you think it is to sort of underestimate Draymond's impact offensively on what the Warriors do and their like off-ball heavy offense? Like, is that something that you can just go out and get any, you know, any any swinging fella like to, to, to just step in and recreate it at the same level? I, d- I don't think so. Um, I, 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 I think what he does out of those short rolls is very special. And, you know, Draymond's one of those dudes that if he would just play like he played in game five all the time, you'd just, you'd just, I think you'd be, they'd be fine. I mean, like there were times again tonight where he's just not even looking at the rim. It's hitting his hands and he's immediately swinging it, you know, and, 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 and Anthony and, Davis playing a big part in that too, right? That, I mean, <laughs> yeah. yes, but it, you, you like it, it, Davis was on the floor during game five too. There are times where he does seem, you know, like he doesn't want it, you know what I mean? Offensively. Um, I mean, do you, do you think that them losing him would be, would hurt their offense more than it would hurt their defense? Uh, I almost, I mean, defensively, obviously he's, you know, one of the best defenders in the world right now. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to say. I I think it's more his impact as, as an offensive player. I don't think he's not a universal donor to any team, any situation. Whereas like defensively, I do think that he's a universal donor. So I think that you'd, you have to value his defense ahead of his offense in that way. But I think his offensive, you know, impact for them is just so specific to what they do and to Steph specifically that, you know, I just don't know that you could assume that like a John Collins could work in or you, you talk about like a, another no, another fulcrum that. big guy could just step in and run the same kind of DHO stuff. And, and you know, the two-way part of it is is part of it, w- what makes him so such a low-waste player that he's able to pull that off as a non-shooter. And that's really hard to do. Yeah, if you look at it and you just look at the fact that like, you know, they they over the the Jordan Poole thing looks rough now and if you if you're going into the offseason you're thinking about like well who potentially I keep hearing about them potentially making big big moves I could see Draymond going and working hypothetically with like a Cleveland if you look at the way their two guards sort of like run, can run on and off ball quickly any kind of situation like that which is kind of is the the template that the Warriors created so he could potentially go somewhere else and try it's sort of like franchise what they did somewhere else like let's recreate it but i don't know that it would work the same way but the other problem too is the leverage part of this other teams have sat here and watched pool on big stages just be terrible i mean he made so many boneheaded plays tonight um defensively offensively he just was a no-show um gave them like garbage buckets when the when the the you know the the decision was already kind of locked in he had some moment in the third quarter where like you know lebron's got the ball like you know kind of like a little up from the right elbow or something like that like lebron's heels are on the three point line and pools like pressing up on him like trying to get underneath him or whatever and 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 you know lebron just goes right by him pull fouls him and just sort of like what are you what do you think you're doing here yeah. <laughs> Why do you what, what what is what about LeBron's game this entire series makes you think the way to handle this situation is to press up on him and get into his chest. It's a you you're you are down on your knees thanking the Lord if he shoots that. Like I yeah. it, it doesn't it, it's just sort of like real basic stuff where you're just like are you just not 
you know, maybe he's thinking like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, you know, get some energy going, you know, like let's, let's, you know, show some, you know, toughness here, whatever. But it, it, uh, yeah, I, I, it was just one of those things. Like it was sort of the defensive version of, of some of those shots that he takes where you're just like, you know, you can't have thought, you can't have thought about this. Yeah. He yeah. looked like he didn't want any part of that play to me. To me, he he had a look on when they showed the replay, he had a look on his face where he was just like, I want to be anywhere else. And I, <laughs> I thought that I thought that he he fouled him just to get out of there. Like I, I thought that, that was like, his that his escape route was the foul. Yeah, I thought that you he might was be just right. like, oh, and he just kind of held his hands up, like, oh man. I, he just looked like he he wanted to do anything other than be involved in that play. Um, yeah, going for it, it, it does feel bleak for the Warriors, but you know, you have to flip it the other way and give the the Lakers a lot of credit, like we talked about. And moving forward, yeah, I mean, this this Nuggets matchup, um, the, the physicality part of it is like, you know, the, they are going to be able to bring a physicality to the Nuggets that I think is going to be unique. You remember a few years ago, whenever now they don't have like a Dwight goon type guy on the roster to come in and just hit Jokic in the face um uh that's an interesting thing about this Lakers team is that how little time they're playing like a true uh backup five or even like in the rotation I mean it's pretty I mean they're playing LeBron at the five even when it's not working I mean yeah. they're they're not they're, they don't they don't trust any of those bigs I mean the LeBron at the five stuff is not has not gone great but they're just doing it because I don't know I mean I, I think that they just I, I don't think that he trusts Bamba at all um, you know, it it doesn't. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not much Bamba in not this much one. Bamba. Yeah. No. Uh, no, I mean, I think you're going to probably have to see more Jared Vanderbilt in this series, uh, just because of the big forwards. The, the Denver has a unique tandem of forwards in Gordon uh, and in MPJ, and then in Jeff Green. I mean, they have they have a slew of big forwards that they can throw out there. Whereas, and it, and it may be a thing where the Lakers their their perimeter size is the flip side of that, and they challenge. But you know, Denver's done a lot to address their issues in in the past year, like building year over year. And um, I don't know if you, if I just like quickly held held a water gun to your head and said, pick something. Uh, who do you, who do you feel strongly about in this matchup? I don't feel strongly about either of them. I like it, I it. Um, golly, super soaker to my head, Nuggets. But just because. I don't know. Maybe I don't trust enough. Maybe, maybe it's still like it. I don't know. I'm not good with these these predictions. Not a big prediction guy. I mean, uh, the, the Denver is going to present a challenge because they are full. They are whole and functioning on an offensive level that Golden State is not right now. I, I, I think Steph's brilliance maybe masks some of the symptoms. Uh, the the underlying disease, I think they masked some of the symptoms, but the underlying disease was there, which was that like they were shorthanded, and Denver is not suffering from that right now. They've got a unique off ball threat, like they they have a really clever off ball threat who's playing super well in Jamal Murray. They have a passing savant who can also go and get you forty a forty point triple double in Jokic. You have a guy that you have a couple you know, physical players inside. I, I just think I would lean Denver, but also, um, you know, the AD rim protection part of this is going to be really interesting for their cutting game, um, you know, if, if he's hanging back. So I would uh, I would still give Denver like a slight lean, but I don't know. I It's it's hard to feel confident about that right now with the, with the way that LeBron and AD are playing. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day and any day, really, at Sonic. For a limited time, 
you can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tender Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender and bold flavors like hickory barbecue and cheesy Baja. Crisp lettuce and melty cheese that make the perfect bite. So go get yourself some TLC, some tender love and chicken. And buy a $1.99 Sonic Crispy Chicken Tender Wrap today. Tax not included. Limited time only at participated Sonic drive-ins. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida. We'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So in the other game of the night here uh, was the the Miami Heat closed out the Knicks uh, ninety six to ninety two they win the series four to two and they move on to uh, the Eastern Conference Finals to await the winner of Philly and Boston which we eagerly await I'm excited to see that one uh, for the for the Knicks I, I feel like this was a story uh, similar to kind of what what Golden State was going through in the fact that uh, the, you know the Knicks. Did a lot to improve their roster this year, and it was interesting to hear Knicks fans kind of coming away from this one. They seemed like they were down. I mean, they were they were sad that the season's over, but they all kind of seemed to have more of a they they seemed to have more pep in their step than normal for a last day of the season type thing. Whereas Knicks fans are usually kind of staring into the the despair and thinking horrible uh, intrusive thoughts. But tonight, tonight it just kind of seemed like a similar thing to what Steph was going through, and that you know Brunson had an incredible game. He's had an incredible series. Uh, he played another huge minute load tonight, 45 minutes, went 14 for 22 in this one, 5 for 10 from the three-point line, and he put up 41 points. But for me, it kind of felt like this was a story of, um, you know, he's he scored nearly half of their points, and the other half here uh, was a struggle. It just seemed like the Knicks really, really had a hard time. You know, credit to Miami and their active, handsy defense, but it just seems like the Knicks have some things to answer about the guys that they have bet on, similar to the Warriors here, but they, they really had sort of a lack of help for Brunson in this one. Yeah, I mean, he it, it he felt, I wouldn't have blamed him for feeling all alone out there. I mean, you know, R- Randall was, as he likes to do, dribbling the air out of the ball. Um, it, it Watching him try to, you know, take bam off the bounce. I mean, I know he's I know Randall's had some big games against the Heat in the regular season, but um you know, it it definitely felt like a situation where Spolstra and Adebayo had him kind of figured out and knew what to do with him to keep him neutralized. Some of the threes he took tonight um you just 
wonder where his head's at. Um, it, it, and you know, Barrett, I mean, he started off aggressive, you know, um, gets to the line a bunch there in the first few minutes of the game, but, you know, makes one shot tonight, um, and just gets the ball taken from him and just doesn't, doesn't, doesn't seem, doesn't seem comfortable in that situation. You know what I mean? It, 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 he, he seemed, uh, he seemed like he wasn't really ready for it. And, um, it, uh, yeah, I mean, it just heart, you know, it plays so hard and does so many things well, but when they, and can, he's now the father of twin boys and, and congrats, him. Yeah. congrats to him. Um, it, uh, but yeah, I mean, when the, the 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 Heat weren't worried about him at all, and even on that last play there, when Brunson gets kind of that sort of soft double, and doesn't know what to do with it, winds up shoveling it to Randall or trying to at least, and you know Vincent makes a good play there. That that put a pin in that play for a second. That was an odd play. Uh, like uh, Brunson got trapped on the baseline. He had hard above the break, wide open, and instead of kicking it to him he shoveled it into traffic which was an odd choice i thought did he just not see hard or did he think he couldn't make the pass what do you think happened there that was i i didn't i, I they didn't show a good angle to be able to tell if he was actually blocked it felt like i, I don't know how he couldn't have seen him it, 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 it just based off of you know whatever angles we were given on the broadcast it seemed like he saw him and didn't want to throw it there and saw Randall cutting late and maybe didn't think Vincent was going to step in. And, you know, Vincent kind of slides back in, cuts Randall off kind of, you know, there as he's kind of entering the lane. And that's all she wrote. But it did feel like it, 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 it felt like um, Brunson wasn't, trusting heart there to be able to hit that and, and yeah. i don't blame i don't i don't really blame him I, I you know it it uh i wouldn't have blamed him for making the pass either but if he's you know it, it heart has not shot the ball well and there's yeah. and you know that there's a there's a reason that he that there was nobody around him there i mean it seemed like the knicks they they got that you know they got that that weird flagrant one foul gave Vincent was trying to I couldn't tell if it was intentional or not but it looked like he was kind of trying to swim off the ball and just I mean it looked looked it like felt, it, really it, felt accident, hurt. it felt accidental yeah. it didn't fe- it didn't feel it didn't feel intentional really I mean it was it was a solid shot to the face yes it but looked it like it really really hurt I, yeah, yeah but it didn't feel just, it didn't feel like he was hunting you know like no. it, yeah yeah, and, and in this game, one for four from three. But I really, uh, coming back to the story about the lack of help thing, you know, as we said, Brunson was doing his crazy arrhythmic getting in the lane thing, and it was it was working, that thing that we talked about earlier in the playoffs. Um, but whenever, you know, the Knicks have had this issue, you know, in the past it was worse. I thought they improved it a little bit. They needed more connectivity within their offense. Losing quickly is, was brutal for that, but he wasn't yeah. even playing well to begin with. But then you... Whenever you it's it's just so tediously and and you know t- tumultuously like balanced their ball movement and their like flow within their offense that you pull one piece out and it just kind of crumbles. Uh, this summer, man, I mean, I just I feel like for RJ Barrett, let's just start there. RJ, you know, a number three pick in the draft. He was a guy that a lot of people kind of had confidence in. They didn't win the Zion sweepstakes, but they were like, hey, we got an RJ potential star. 
I feel like this offseason is going to be kind of a soul-searching moment for RJ because he looked lost defensively. Well, not even lost. He just looked overwhelmed. Jimmy yeah. was flat out hunting him throughout this game. Like It was just like licking his chops, and he's still a young player and has a lot of time to get better. But offensively, he was terrible. One for 10 from the field, 11 points, three turnovers. He got to the line. Um, but the other one is Randall, like you were talking about. And I don't know what the Knicks do about this because – Randall is one of these guys that can toggle between, you know, if he's getting off the ball quickly, if he's his big thing is that he he'll just get into these ruts where he'll he'll stick on the ball, dribble, 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 take like a crazy fall away, like 18-footer, three-pointer. Um, it's just tough for their offense because you're just you're negating um that all these things kind of pay forward and, and hurt Mitchell Robinson. I, I don't know. I just I I kind of want to scream when I watched Randall play that way because um, it's just bad basketball, and I, I really don't know what they're supposed to do about this. Three for fourteen for him, twenty one percent from the field. How do you solve the Randall problem, man? I mean, do you get rid of him? Is there a world where he can play a different style? How do how, what do you what how do you solve a problem like Julius Randall? <laughs> I think the only way that they can bring him back is if he sort of understands, hey, this you, you trying to do everything is not good, and you, you need to be able to fit into an offense that is featured around Jalen and show us that you can make quick decisions with the ball. When he goes fast and is decisive and is at least, you know, trying to get to the rim, you'll, I think, deal with the mistakes there, some of the misses way more than you will will these, you know, wannabe Barkley back downs that in, you know, that like start with a bunch of jab steps and, you know, wind up with kind of, you know, some hotly contested fade, right? Like it just Mm -hmm. doesn't, he doesn't have that kind of bag to be able to do that in the playoffs against a good defense. He's not he's just not that kind of shot maker and and mm-hmm. and and if he can come to that realization then I think he can, you know, provide a lot of value for a team, but if he wants to be a bunch of people have mentioned the the body language and how he can get a little mopey out there and can seem not even necessarily down on himself, but just down on <laughs> existence. <laughs> like, well, yeah, his his body language blew up a couple of possessions because you know the Knicks were like, all right, we got to get the ball out of Jimmy's hands. So Jimmy c- catches the ball across half court, and they bring two, and they blitz him around the half court line. You can do that if you're recovering with some uh, with some uh, urgency. And right, whenever yeah. they brought took two to the ball, Randall just moped to go recover. And it was just like a pass to the middle, kick, swing, swing, easy bucket. It was just like any of those times where they could have like made a play to like you know get some traction in the in that end of game scenario. Um, he was killing them with the bad shots and also just the moping on defense, like you were talking about. It almost makes me think like, does he just need to be like rehabilitated in the basketball sense? Like he got this big contract because he was the primary option, which I think might've been the worst thing for him, like in his identity as a player, because I think that there's a world. And I wrote this in our top 100 thing where if he made those quick decisions, like you were talking about, he can pass the ball. I've seen him do it. Attack, be a 0.5 player, take open threes, but be a connector instead of this, like 
you know, be the be the punctuation in the middle of the sentence, not the punctuation at the end. And he just really struggles to do that because there's something hardwired into his brain where he's like, I need to be a primary option. Otherwise, I just don't feel comfortable playing any other way. No, I, I'm with you completely. I, I mean, one of the more bonkers stats that came out of the night is that Brunson made 14 field goals and the rest of the Knicks combined, I think, made 13. The fact that they were in the game was crazy. Yeah. The fact I that mean, they were in the game was crazy. It really is. I think that in some ways it was just Spo and the Heat defense just kind of outsmarting Randall and just being like, we it's like a it's like a batter that can't lay off the high stuff, right? Like it's just like we're gonna give you these shots that we know that you just can't resist. And we know that you're going to take them and then we're going to get a body on you and you're not going to, you know, it, it, that, 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 that's going to be that. I mean, he, he, he's, he's, he's not a guy who's going to try to get others involved whenever he doesn't have his stuff going. Like it's like, you know, he's when he doesn't have it going, he's going to try to get it going. You know what I mean? He's not going to try. <laughs> he's, 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 he's not going to look for other people. So it, he doesn't feel like he's being a thoughtful player in some of those moments when he does chuck some of those contested threes during times when every single possession for the Knicks was a total slog and scoring felt like an impossibility, you'd hope that they would work for a shot that was something a little bit better than that, right? Brunson was not going to force the issue in a way that was disruptive to the offense, right? Like he was going to the rim. He was getting into the teeth of the defense. He was trying to make things happen for other people whenever it was, whenever, you know, his shot wasn't there. Like there was an effort to play downhill, to try to get to the line, right? To try to get easier shots. Mm -hmm. And it did not, it felt like the, it felt like all Randall was willing to do to try to get an easier shot was to slam his right shoulder into Bam's chest. Four it was adorable. Times. It was adorable and when it, he kept trying to score on Bam in the post. I was it's just, just not, like, let's it's, just it's change just the like plan he doesn't, here. <laughs> yeah, it's just like he's operating in another reality. You know what I mean? It's just like, dude, this is Bam is a full load. You're not going to be able to just body him down. It's just not. He's got to get a little stronger for that. And Randall's yeah. a, I mean, Randall's a bull, right? But like, it's just he's not. He's not Bam. Bam has some pretty crazy core strength, but you know the, the Miami just kind of negated the th the ways that that the Knicks sort of try to circumvent the fact that they don't pass the ball well. Which you know Miami won the assist battle tonight, twenty five to thirteen, and then won the rebounding battle, which is a place where Miami usually where the Knicks usually get some points. Uh, points in the paint, Miami won that thirty eight to twenty, um, and it was just. Uh, you know, you got a little bit of a, the Kyle Lowry, uh, he, you know, he dabbled in here with his nine assists and just kind of, get you know, nickel and dime them with some baskets here and there. Um, I don't know. Moving forward, it's um, it's going to be interesting to see who they end up matching up against. But uh, Miami moves on. The zombie continues to wander and stalk uh, the the living. <laughs> the living. Uh, they, I, I don't know how they continue to do it. I kind of had the thought today. I was like, is Eric Spolstra? I mean. Is he in the conversation for best coach in the world right now? I I I mean, I think it's I worth th it's worth a thought. 
Dude, I mean, it what the, the, there was that that stat floating around. He's been the head coach of the Heat for 15 seasons, and they've been to the Eastern Conference Finals for seven of those. That's just wild. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, and he's got you know, he's he he's had you know, he had stacked rosters for a few of those, right? But like, it's I mean, he's obviously. Uh, you know, I like in the preseason, he was my like preseason coach of the year just because it kind of felt like he had sort of gotten to that pop kind of point where just everybody was just sort of like, no, if you give this guy a series to try to figure something out, you know, good luck. Like it, yeah. it, 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 um, but yeah, I mean, they were doing stuff with, uh, with the zone during this game that was clearly confusing to the Knicks. And he's just a diabolical game planner. And somebody who is going to give his guys every opportunity to be successful and to be put in positions that they are most comfortable in. And maybe more than that is just all of his teams play crazy hard. You know, it's not as if they, I mean, the, the, the Heat were not a good hang for a lot of this year and played some ugly, ugly basketball, the first play in game included. I mean, tonight was ugly, to be fair. They're, no, they're winning sure, ugly but, even still, yeah. For sure, but I, I more mean like even like vibes-wise, right? Like sure. there, there, there were times where they looked, you know, like they were, you know, ready for Turks and Caicos. They, they, they were, you know, times during the season, the, 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 the vibes didn't seem, seem great, but, but credit to them for turning it around. I mean, they get great minutes from Lowry tonight, big minutes from Robinson. Struess played well. Um, you know, like Vincent made big plays for them down the stretch. I mean, they just, it, 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 everybody says it, but they find these dudes and they turn them into real, you know, winning basketball players and, and guys that aren't afraid of the moment. I mean, you, you know, you, you, sometimes you go get these diamonds in the rough, right? And it's like, they're good for you up to a certain point, but once the stakes get high enough, either the talent level's not there or it's just like, hey, I'm not ready for this yet or whatever. And they find dudes that, you know, don't blink. And and it, it uh, yeah, I mean, it's. I think it says, I think people give, give a lot of credit to Pat Riley and the whole heat culture thing for good reason, but it, the Spolster stuff and the and the kind of the physicality and the toughness that they that they bring, um, yeah, I don't know. It just it it feels feels special. We'll can, we'll see just how special it is. It can continue to be. Uh, we'll be sitting tight, waiting to see the conclusion of that uh, Sixers Celtics series. Uh, thanks for listening to us tonight. This reaction, um, Tyler, it was good to see you. Uh, good to see you, buddy. Yeah, hopefully see you in person here when I head out to to LA this weekend. Do some in person OKC draft stuff. And thanks for listening to the Ringer NBA show. We're going to keep coming with like the daily coverage uh, and reactions in the playoffs and the draft and everything coming up. Uh, as as we continue to to plow on towards the end of of this season, check out Tyler's league pass rankings. He's going to be updating that soon. And thanks to Kai Grady and uh, Ben Cruz, the cruise missile for staying up. Can, congrats, Kai, for your your Lakers winning. And uh, guys, we will uh, we will check you. We will check you next time. This episode is brought to you by Ugg. Y'all know Ugg is a brand that athletes wear all the time and 
the tunnel and on travel days? Well, I bet you think Ugg season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from Ugg. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. Ugg has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at Ugg.com. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.